This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Back of the Nest Preview Show. Sponsored by PitchSport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com Welcome one and all to the, yes, you guessed it, yet another Back of the Nest joint match report and preview podcast. Eskiff and Albert are here as we talk probably a little less about Spurs and a little more about West Brom. This show is sponsored by Manscaped. Head over to manscaped.com and use BOTN at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yes, yet another one. Um, due to the nature of the 4-1 loss, um, it would appear that nobody was up for recording a podcast on that one. So it's been left to... In our capable hands again, should I say. So, um, Heskiff, thank you for joining and um, having to relive a little bit of that one with us. Yeah, I'm just wondering if Albert actually watched the game this time round. Yeah, what was it? A Zoom, another Zoom call party, Albert, or um, did you did you get some of this, some minutes in on this one? Listen, this Sunday night nonsense. It's when you got <laughs> when you got kids going back to school on a Monday, and you having to like dig out things like water bottles and lunch boxes. You ain't got time to sit down and watch a leisurely game of football. Having said that, it was on and it seemed every time I looked up, Spurs scored another really good goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, 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 we'll get into that. Uh, we'll, uh, let's, let's start with some of this. Damn, I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? I'm going to leave you three to it, man. Due to a busy, busy week at work and working late nights, so it's 11.20 last night, Albert, I was working, believe it believe it or not. Um, I'm still only got Moretti's in the fridge, so it's, it's a Moretti for me. But you two seem to be um, Mexican Mexicaning it up. Pacifico and Dos Equis, is it? That's right. Um, mm. Albert, I don't know what your pronunciation of your beer is like today. Uh, Pacifico. Very good. <laughs> Excellent work. I'm not sure. What, then it says Clara underneath. I don't know if that's Clara or. 
clara or if they, i should be stressing a particular syllable in that um i don't know they speak spanish clara i would say see if i go clara cerveza uh, uh, muy, muy bien muy bien i think data girl went to santa clara university in the states so i think it might be clara have you noticed no matter what we talk about no matter what we talk about <laughs> Terence is like, yeah, I knew a girl where I, was I went out of a girl who. I'm going to well, try and think of something really obscure. There was the cherry, I mean, the, the cherry this chapstick. Was... You knew someone. It was also that was the same girl when we were talking about yeast before we started recording. So strangely quiet during my mention of the butt plug last week, though. I was you know, thinking just that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what butt plugs with foxtails? Yes. Yeah, I, I didn't have a I didn't have a story to top that one. I'm afraid. Mm, well, I think that's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll, we'll we'll bottom that out another time, mate. Mm. <laughs> right. So we are Palace, the group of Palace. Um, well, a group of the Palace groups basically that exist around. Um, I've released a video today with uh, a guy from Mind Charity and um, a cameo appearance of Julian Sproni. Have you reviewed two seen this yet? Yeah. Yeah, it's a Nice little message from Jules on there, just talking about making sure you're looking after your mental health and stuff like that. Um, I mean, Heskiff extremely important at the moment. Before we came on air, when we was uh, obviously waiting for Albert to turn up 20 minutes late, um, we were sort of touching a bit on this and um, how work can sort of run you over a bit. Yeah, that's the thing. I, you know, working from home, you're sort of used to it for the last year or so. Now I've been doing it, um, and I think gone are the days when you're sitting in an office wishing that you could just roll out of bed and and get off <laughs> to work there and have to travel for an hour to get in. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been hard. I've I found it pretty hard over the last year. You know, just sort of like not being able to separate your house and your work, that sort of thing. So I think it's important to bear in mind the sort of fragile state that a lot of people are in because of it. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend watching. It's just a short video, three minutes or so. So it's well worth a, well worth watching if you haven't already. Uh, and it just says, yeah, basically, like, look after yourself, look out for your mates, that sort of thing. So it's uh, it's well worth a watch and a really good message too. Yeah, particularly um, in a week where Piers Morgan's been up to what he's been up to in um, refusing to believe what people are saying. But there you go. Um yeah, as I said there, Albert, I was working to 11.20 last night. Um, yeah, you said that already. Becoming a bit of a habit of not getting away from my computer. Um, what's it like for you? House, house full of kids. Um, but you, you get out for work a bit more, don't you, when you are working? So a bit different vibe for you? Uh, yeah, I'm fortunate enough. Uh, or Well, yeah, it depends, depends on how you look at it. I'm, 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 I'm in an industry where we kind of... You can work from home on certain days of the week. I mean, that's never been the norm, but now it's kind of creeping in, obviously, because of the pandemic. But yeah, ultimately, you know, if you're making a film, you've got to go and make a film. So I've been quite lucky in that I've had a bit of, you know, time at home, um, obviously being with the family a bit more, which is, you know, nice most of the time. Um, and then having the, you know, I'm I'm still getting the, you know, the interaction of seeing colleagues, albeit under very different circumstances, but, you know, I can, you know, I can say that I'm having a change of scenery and, you know, interfa- interfacing with people. So um, mm. I think that's important. You know, it's, um, 
there's not many there's not many jobs that involve just locking yourself in a in a room by yourself and and cracking on with it but you know most we're human we need interaction so um i think it's good it's good and it's important and even even sitting here looking at you two on a screen you know it's not a zoom call um that feels like (laughs) it sometimes you're not cracking on with it now are you beg your pardon (laughs) it talks about locking yourself in a room and cracking on with it i hope you're not doing that now (laughs) no not not with your face on the fucking screen that's for sure (laughs) um is it true albert that you once invited tom cruise to your house to run lines with him um, just <laughs> when you say lines, um, in in either in either instance, the answer is no. He did punch me in the he did punch me in the stomach once though. What as a jolly like, hey Albert, or um, yeah, become a scientist, yeah, Do- donate to Scientology, or I'll kill you. No, absolutely not. In more of a you know, I'd I'd, I'd say in jest. Um, but it kind of caught me off guard, and I, I, you know, have to be honest, I was severely winded. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't let on though. <laughs> Just you know styled I mean? it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good Tommy boy. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Uh, right. Um, talking about what something that would be good for all of our mental health is returning to Sellers Park, and of course we have all those um, that carrot being dangled of. No, whenever it is in you know, May at some point, 17th of May, is it 18th of May? Maybe we might be able to get in. But this week um, has given it saw the anniversary of a year since the last full Sellers Park. Um, yeah. It's... Remember re- remember back then? I know, it's weird, isn't it? Watching videos of like actual crowds and actual noise. Um, Benteke and I, you taking the piss in the yeah, corner. Yeah, I was just about to say that. The, the, the IU and Benteke in the corner is a pretty decent sort of last memory for a, for a full home match. Um, but I mean, you know, we had the we, we had the, the, the sort of smaller crowd at the Spurs game, which in itself was pretty great. So the idea of going back to like 25,000 odd at Selhurst is quite enticing. Whether it happens or not, I suppose we wait and see. Yeah, do you remember who that game was against, Albert? Watford. Come <laughs> hey, on, you horns. The, gold, the Golden Boys. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, uh, a year ago, I was in Liverpool um, for work, which that's where we were when we got shut down and had a ticket, a ticket for the Anfield game because that was that was around the same time, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, oh, yeah, wasn't it? That um, Atletico Madrid turned up there and. Mm-hmm. Caused a big massive outbreak, didn't they? A load of them made my face here. swell up. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know now in my mind, Albert, if you're more synonymous with making tea or looking like Leslie Ash when I think about this podcast. Well, <laughs> you, you won't have to worry about the the the, the latter anymore because I'm getting my vaccine on Saturday, so. Uh... I mean, if I if I have a reaction and I go the same way, I will I will send you a picture. How come you're getting it already? You got you got um, underlying health issues. I've got asthma. Asthma. Okay. And yeah. I mean, depending who you speak to, some people say, "Oh yeah, that's on the list." And other people are like, "No, that's not on the list." I mean, it's not severe. I mean, I should be saying this. They might fucking cancel it. Um, no, they won't yeah. now because once you're assigned that slot, you're assigned it. So you you wouldn't if you didn't get it now, you wouldn't get it. Basically, so that's it. That's your spot now. Sweet. Well, um, I've got to say, I'm very much looking forward to it. 
Yeah, I don't. Cool. Still, I'm, I'm, I guess you're the same as me, Haskip, expecting it in May at some point, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm not quite old enough to, to hit that top tier, but... But not quite young enough looking to feel like you shouldn't be having it already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, my beard is now like 70% grey. That should be enough to let me have it. <laughs> yeah, my, mine is certainly getting there. Um, I, I mean... My hair is just getting longer by the day. I think I'm looking like I could be in a Kings of Leon um, tribute band or something. But um, yeah, right under underneath my fringe is loads of grey, so I reckon that that should be it. But we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. Um, and with the full set, we've got season tickets have been announced. Albert, what what's going on with your two hundred quid? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got so much money tied up in the club at the moment. I should get my name on that website like that shady new geezer. <laughs> um, yeah, so you, gonna, you paid I, to I, defer, didn't you? I paid to defer because I've got asthma. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and I, I, I have no clue what's. I have no clue. I don't know what's happened with my refund from last year. I don't know what's happening this year. I, basically, I'm, I should be getting just a season ticket, I think, and not having to lay out any more money. But I don't think well, that's going to be the case, is it? Yeah, I, I, I think someone on that on that list of names that we were just talking about might have run off your two hundred quid to run lines with Tom Cruise. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Heskiff, shockingly, they they've done a good job with something. Palace, haven't they? This is it's pretty much ticked all the boxes. Yeah, I'm glad that they've learned from the last <laughs> the debacle of the last couple of things they've done where far from being, you know, everyone being happy, you know, no one was happy. Uh, so, yeah, it's good. I mean, it, it's sort of, other, other than Albert, apparently, I think pretty much everyone's sort of covered with it. Everyone's likely to be able to renew their season ticket if they want, get it on direct debit without having to pay like 15,000% interest or whatever. Um, and then... I'm sure there'll be a few sort of seats dotted about here and there for people who didn't renew, for people who want to jump in and, and get one. So on paper, it all looks pretty good. We'll wait and see if the computer system actually works when we all try and do it. Hmm. it were, I mean, getting the refund on the remaining 10 tickets, selecting your option was extremely annoying because you had to do it one ticket at a time instead of being able to group them all together. But outside of that, yeah, at least... Um, it seems to have all been done the right thing. I think there's still a couple of outstanding points, like Albert with the, the people pay to defer, and I just imagine that will end up being like all the other refunds. You just select a refund in whatever way, shape, or form. So have, um, have you had have you had refunds already? Yeah. Once, well, you... yeah. So we've been getting refunds on a three game by three game basis. I see. And you select. So once the three games have gone by, you select. You go into your account and select the three games and. You either donate to the academy, donate to the foundation, get a refund, or put it as credit for next season. Um, so yeah, now they've basically done that for the last ten games, but also assuring us that if we do manage to get in for the last home game of the season, it won't affect your ability to get a ticket. If you're a season ticket holder, you can still then basically buy back your ticket. So um, yeah, for me personally, I don't, uh, the initial £100 from the first season of lockdown, I donated to the academy to be a founder academy member this time around. I've just I've refunded it to credit for next season. Um, 
Yeah. So you know you can, you know you're going to spend it. So. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Exactly. It's uh, you know stuff. You, did, you didn't buy. That, you didn't buy a flat <clears throat> two minutes from Sellers Park to to not go anymore. I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. True. I mean, like, like I, I always say, this buying a house so close to the stadium has nothing to do with me. It was my missus that found this place. It was absolutely nothing to do with me. It's just um, a happy coincidence. Um, Did you manage or, to time the naps, you know, getting getting her down for a nap and you could just pop out to the match? Um, it was well, both. I, okay. she, she, both <laughs> I mean, I had my nap inside the stadium when Royal Ball was finally put me to sleep after 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, anyway, so looking forward to that, um, and congratulations to the club on getting it, getting it all right. And if you do buy a season ticket, you of course should have a chance to um, see James Ward-Prowse play against us for Southampton next season. Assuming they don't capitulate and go down, I mean, I conceded another five tonight on the night of recording, so you never know, I suppose. But um, he recently made his three hundredth appearance for Southampton, and he's done a video. Um, talking about his most memorable moments in a Southampton shirt. And one of his most memorable moments is getting Zaha sent off. Heskiff. Can, I mean, I would say, can you believe it? But yes, you probably can. It says it all really, doesn't it? it one of his favourite moments isn't something that actually happened with him doing something <laughs> for football. Ended up with them drawing against 10 men. I mean, what, what a highlight of a career he's had. Yeah. I would say, actually, funnily enough, I watched about three or four minutes of that Man City game today. And uh, there was there was a point, which it was on screen for about two or three seconds. He was on the floor because he'd been fouled, which was great. And uh, he put his hand up for Foden to like lift him up. So his hand was outstretched and he was looking up at Foden and Foden just walked off. And I was like, you know what? You might have tram lines saved in the back of your head instead of the side, but I'll allow it now that you've mugged off Warprouse. How old is Foden? Is he is he too old to know better yet? I don't think he is, is he? In t- I mean about having tram lines, not picking James Ward Prowse. Tram, tram lines in theory I'm all right with, but his seemed to start like three quarters of Ray round his head, which I don't really understand. But to be honest, I mean he's not bad at football, is he? So I feel like he can do what he wants at this point. What do they call him? The the Stockpole I can't remember what they they only got a nickname for him. Nobody cares. This ain't a Man City podcast. <laughs> Albert, you, you ever had you ever had tram lines cut in your hair? No. What's what's the what's the most daring you've gone with your hair? Uh, well, I think I've told you about the time that me and my brother um, agreed to go to Sellers Park dressed as Gabor Kirali. <laughs> so I actually I had quite a I had quite a nifty barnet at the time. So I went to the barbers and got it shaved off. It wasn't nothing, you know, outrageous, but quite drastic for me um put all the you know got the gray tracky bums and gray gray top and drew on a little goatee beard and then met my brother at the train station and he just hadn't bothered (laughs) (laughs) um well a bit of a glimpse into your future with the shaving of the hair right but yeah i I shave some of it the rest just just stays away Takes wear and tear on the old clippers, efficient. So, I mean, about the bold as you're going with your hair is the beard, Haskiff, right? And I, I, I love, I love, love all those pictures of you clean shaven from when you were younger. Yeah, I actually used to have hair down to like my elbow. Funny enough, 
that's not that's not a lie. But there are no photos of it, so it didn't happen. Uh, I, I did. This is really. Terrible. This is really. You can tell we really don't want to talk about the Spurs. Game. <laughs> <laughs> um, someone, someone um, earlier this week said, um, "So, what sort of things do you talk about in your podcast?" I was like, "Well, basically, the podcast structure is it's about forty-five minutes an episode. We spend thirty-five minutes trying to not talk about Crystal Palace, and then about ten minutes begrudgingly talking about Crystal Palace." It's... Talking about how shit Crystal Palace were last week. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, it's about the synopsis of it. Um, and but how we're, we're, we're going to be this weekend. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Don't forget, or well, you never know. We did beat this team five one last time round, so we might have a chance. But, um, yeah, let, let's speed along. <laughs> um, David Omilabu Om- Om- has signed pro terms with the club. He's got nine goals in twelve games in the under 18s this season. And he joins Fion Mooney, Jaden Raymond, and Teo Adaramola in signing contracts recently. Uh, nice quote from Hesku. I was born and raised in South London, so to know the club is local makes me feel very good. Um, after what we when we had Joe on from International Clearance podcast, and by now you've probably listened to or you know, we'll tell you now, but um, what was his name? The right back who left and went to Germany. It's, Mandela Egbo. Mandela Egbo, Manny, as uh, as he was known on the podcast, is. Um, you know, we made a huge cock up there, um, didn't even offer him a contract through some sort of admin error and didn't realise we hadn't. And then it would appear that we bad-mouthed him a bit, according to um, Mandela Egbo. But it's good to see now that we, we're getting these deals done properly, not not at the end of the season or whatever. We're getting them done when they should be done, not scrimping and saving on the extra bits of money. That... It's just the 11 first-teamers that we've seen to... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, ad- bloody admin. Yeah, someone's probably set up an algorithm in the club to sort of make these decisions and it's just gone, all of these players are shit. Don't, don't give them a new contract, oh. inclu- including including the manager. Um, talking of one of those, Patrick van Arnholt, is, um, he's he's been talking to Dutch press today and also on that International Currents podcast, he was talking about this when, when players who have come to England from Europe are giving interviews in their own language, they... They forget to. Um, they forget that people can translate them, and they sort of get a bit more loose with their tongue. And he was talking about how in the winter he was speaking to PSV. Um, so there's definitely interest out there for him. So I don't. I don't. I think he'll be one of the ones that go. Um, I think we'll have to. We're going to have to spunk a bit of money to keep him, and I just don't think we're going to see it to be worth it, especially trying to bring down the age and the, you know, the wage bill. So Joel Ward at yeah. left back. Mm. Um, right, we're finishing this bit on Parish leading the fight against Champions League breakaway. Either of you two read this story today. It's just basically Parish and Aston Villa's chairman have come out and said it's all a bit of a nonsense. And the Champions League is talking about in 2024 adding 100 games to each season's Champions League while sort of having a 10 game round robin instead of the group stages, which is sort of seeded on FIFA coefficients. Um, and then there's also, if you, if big teams don't qualify um, through their leagues, like in the regular way that you should qualify by finishing in the top positions. Um, so for Liverpool this season, for example, because Liverpool won it a couple of seasons ago and have a good history in the European Cup, they'd actually still qualify for the Champions League, despite finishing sixth or seventh in the league. Um, so obviously, um, 
all, all of the all of the clubs that aren't well established Champions League sides in England are sort of coming out against it and saying it's it's all a bit ridiculous. Um, I'm all Albert. I mean, I'm, for me, I'd, I'm all about knockout stages, right? Just for the beginning. You can add, you can add add all these teams if you want, but just have it as a knockout. It's a bit of a nonsense, isn't it? Adding another another hundred games. Ball, balls in the hat. Let's just let's just make it exciting mm. from the off. Yeah, exactly. And it's just also um, just logically planned this through. If you're getting these teams that are having to play ten extra games in the Champions League this season, it's only going to be a matter of time before they force the Premier League down to eighteen teams, um, which is you know less less space. Less space for the the minnows, as it were, and um, we all know what happened when they like to trim the size of the Premier League down. <laughs> we all know who's going to suffer in that relegation battle. But um, yeah, so at least uh, Parish is doing something there to sort of stand up for the the little ones, as it were. And um... back of the nest, sponsored by Pitch Sport, fun time videos, choose your match day squad, post match ratings, and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right. Okay. We can't. We can't do it. Put it off any longer. We're twenty odd minutes into this. We're gonna to have to speak about Spurs. Um, can either of you remember your predictions from last week's pod? Uh, I said we'd lose two nil. I think I said I'm, two one. Yeah, I'm obviously loss, bringing it up because <laughs> I'm obviously bringing it up for once. I've got something right saying we. Well, I did. I said we were gonna lose three or four nil. I was. Um, so neither sh- of those were correct, were they? Yeah. As shocked as everyone else to see that we actually scored a goal. Um, but I'll start with you, Hesky. It was a decent first. It was a decent first half, really. It was only a, um, a massive, massive error from Luka Milivojevic that cost us the goal. But short, short of that, it wasn't like Guaita was fielding shots left, right, and centre. We was just a typical Palace game at the moment. Not much happening. Looking like it was just going to float away to a nil-nil at the break. Yeah, that's it. I thought we were back to the sort of, we we are fairly well drilled again. And it means that we might not do that much going forward, but at least we're sort of stopping the other teams doing much coming at us. Uh, And like you said, their goal sort of came out of us pissing around a bit near the box. And then sort of two passes later, we're one nil down. But other than that, yes, I don't think Greater had much to do. Um, you know, to be honest, I would have taken one nil at half time before the game. Uh, but it was great that we then sort of 
finally started moving a little bit going forward. Um, and then Luca redeemed himself a bit with the cross of Benteke in, in what was as textbook a Benteke goal as you can get, I think. Um, so, yeah, go, I, I'd say first half was pre- pretty good. Going into half-time actually felt ridiculously, I felt fairly positive that we could sort of maybe ground, grind out a draw or something. Um, obviously not to be. Yeah, I don't want to fly past Benteke's goal too quickly, so we'll, we'll dwell on it a bit, Albert. Um, good ball from Luca to make up for that mistake, but um, it shows what can happen if you play to Benteke's strengths, if you actually get crosses into the box for him, and that's kind of what we've been doing a little bit more of recently, and it's, it's resulting in goals for him. Absolutely. I mean, every time Benteke scores from across, I make a point of WhatsApping a I mean a WhatsApp group, my dad, my brother, and a other mate of my dad who's a Palace fan, who and he in particular really doesn't like Christian Benteke. Um and I make a point of every time Benteke scores, certainly from, you know, from a ball coming in from wide, I make a point of of just writing cross the ball to Benteke. Uh, just to <laughs> just to rub it in a little bit because he is capable of of scoring. Um when you play to his strengths. Again, he's not he isn't the same player been through this many times he's not the same player from three four years ago however with the right service he you know he he, he does get chances um and he, you, you say know, you say him. that though you say that it is he because that stat you pulled out from somewhere earlier was um well pretty pretty impressive which is talking about his goals per minute ratio yeah his, was it his, his goals per minute ratio is is better than one 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 uh one name on that list was Zaha. Yeah, Zaha. <laughs> I think it was Zaha. If you if you take his goals and exclude penalties from other players who have scored penalties, yeah. his goals per minute ratio is better than Danny Ings, Bruno Fernandez, Zaha, Kins. Vardy, Watkins. Yeah, so he's 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 average he's averaging one in two at the minute, um, in terms of minutes. So one goal every every hundred eighty minutes. Um, that is three or four years ago form when he scored the 18 goals for us. Absolutely. And you just think, yeah, what, you know, what, how many more points could we have on the board if, you know, if we, if we played to that strength? Um, and again, I know he's had a little bit of injury trouble, but I think when he's, when he's fit and he's able to, able to play the, you know, the majority of a game, um, like I said, I, mean, I said it, I said it on the pod last, last week, you know, I'm, I'm not upset when I see that Christian Benteke starting. Um, I have I have questions for the manager when after whatever 70 80 minutes we, you know it's not working and we need to freshen it up and that's when we should be seeing players like Mateta and Batshuayi come on um but again on on his day he's he's my he's my first choice striker mm. yeah and um we go into half time at that point and obviously Spurs haven't haven't been great we've we've seen him off quite well uh, but what goes on in two of the changing rooms can't be more stark. Um, J- Jose Mourinho very astutely reads what's going on in the game and Spurs come out moving the ball ridiculously faster compared to what they were doing in the first half. It was all a bit pedestrian in the first half. They weren't switching the play quickly. And then all of a sudden in the start of the second half, they just came out pinging passes all over. It was made a little bit easier by what went on in the Palace changing room at half time to make a substitution and bring Zaha on for Eze. Now, um, 
the substitution aside, you know, you just you've just had a really good half. So even though it is Zaha you're bringing on, what was one Heskiff? What's the point of bringing him on at that point? But two, he takes Eze off and puts Ayu, that's a striker in Jordan Ayu, out onto left midfield. And it's down that right-hand side where Ayu's now filling in as a left midfielder that Spurs pick it apart. Yeah, I mean, two good points. The, the first one, I don't really understand why a change was made. Like you said, yeah, it's Wilf. But if you're doing well enough in the first half, then the need to bring Wilf on seems a little odd. I mean, like we we all love Wilf. We all know what Wilf's capable of. But we obviously had a game plan in the first half with the players out, out on the pitch. And I think they saw it out pretty well. Um, so then, yeah, so so it was weird to, to bring Wilf on. But then when you decide to do that, to then, like you say, move a striker out wide in a four is odd. It just, I, I don't really understand the thinking behind it. And clearly within 10 minutes of the second half, the game, whilst we were playing all right, the game was essentially gone. So not not to take away from Tottenham stepping up, like you said, and being a good team and having players like Gareth Bauer and Harry Kane and Son who can who do do all sorts of magic, it, it does seem a bit weird that we'd sort of take away from what was good in the first half for no real reason. I mean, if we, we were getting hammered, then you'd say, all right, change it, fair enough. But at one all, when you score just before half-time to get back into it and sort of vindicate what you, you set out to do, it does seem a bit weird, especially from Roy, who, as we know from from from, from history, doesn't really like changing things all that much. It does seem weird to make that change at that time. Uh, and yeah, I think it, it backfired, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it, I was wondering, uh, did he think, did Roy think that he saw something that he could take advantage of by bringing Zaha on? Like he saw a chink in their armour or something. Um, I think what you should have more been thinking about is that he's played a 4-4-2 again against a 4-2-3-1 and they were just overrunning us in the middle of the park and you know, Lucas Moura was able to press us at, at will, basically, and um, that's what got Luca in trouble. Because when Luca was looking up, there was no there was no options, or at least no options in his division that he has. And um, I just think back to that. Have you seen the picture of Cahill after the first goal, where he's just sort of like arms out on his tiptoes, like really gesticulating about how ridiculous the error was? But um, yeah, I mean, when when Spurs do get going in the second half, though, with players like Bow and Kane, as you pointed out, I mean, just that Harry Kane goal is just ludicrous, really. <laughs> were you saying there's um, that still image tweet that you was talking about, where it's just a still image of the ball falling to Harry Kane just before he hits that shot, and there's just there's no route to goal where he goes. It's just not there. There's players in the way. There's the goalkeeper in a great position, and uh, I think the caption on the tweet was, "I'm fucking Harry Kane." <laughs> it's just. Dug it out. What an image. Um, <laughs> mm, I wonder yes. he's a heavy breather. Um, <laughs> but the goal before, the, the Gareth Bale header is a is a fantastic team. I mean, you know, now, now it sounds like we're a Spurs podcast. You know, that that's a, that's a fantastic goal as well. Um, you know, Gareth Bale plays an amazing pass out wide and the movement, you think the, the ball's going to go to Gareth Bale at the near post and it, it goes across to Harry Kane who, Manages to put it back across the goal, and Gareth Bale sort of 
shifts position again and and nods it in you know it's um yeah and it's yeah that's that's the way to destroy a low block you've got to move the ball fast you've got to switch to play often and get get us pulling out of shape and um if you keep doing it eventually it's going to happen and and that's exactly what happened and bow exploited and found the space so um yeah and i mean like i say when when players like that start turning it on sometimes you just have to like hesky if you were talking about it earlier you there's no point being pissed off. You just just have to accept. Sometimes you're going to get beat by better players, and that is kind of how it all felt about this game. And it wasn't like we threw the towel in and give up. You know, Zaha hit the post, um, and it, I thought we got into a few good positions, uh, and where we just made the wrong, wrong decision. And I've, I think we talk about this a lot. It's the it's the difference between the top teams and the teams at our our level. Um, you they just make the wrong decisions uh, in in the advanced areas of the fields at times, but. There was a, there was a great bit, Albert, when the camera zoomed <laughs> zoomed in on Wilf, and you could very clearly hear um, lip reading him saying, or actually hear him, not even lip reading, saying "pass fucking forwards" while I was screaming furiously. At, um, I think it might have been Luca who had decided to go back yet again, or maybe it was Gyro. I can't remember, but um, yeah, but yeah. So say Zaha hit the post very very unlucky. I mean, not just that the shot hit the post; uh, it it didn't come back out and hit. Um, Larice on the back of the head and go in the goal. Somehow it like brushed down the side of his face and his chest. But um, yeah, so just sort of one of those nights. I mean, it, <clears throat> any anyone for either of you is a Palace man in a match that is even worth mentioning. It's a tough one to pick out, really, isn't it? I don't. don't um, it's not. It's not even like you can start saying someone run around loads and did a really good job of. I give it like to Ben Teke. Just quality, quality header. Yeah, scored, scored a goal, a goal. quality header. Mm. Yeah, it was. Um, what did you make? It's the first time I've heard Chris Coleman commentate on a Palace game. Um, Is it? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm oh, usually at the games, so <laughs> <laughs> so I don't hear the commentators, which is. I do realise much of a godsend now, and I will be going to more games live. Uh, don't tell the missus once we can get back into stadiums because I just, can't I'm deal with commentators. I'm just popping out. Just popping out. <laughs> yeah, Sunderland's just down the road, love. I'll be I'll be back in twenty minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, I, I think in this game, I think Benteke won fifteen headers, which I think was the most by any player in a game this season, or very close to it. But Chris Coleman halfway through that game saying he's got to do more in the air. I think the, the, the only thing that made me, that I liked from Coleman, I mean, I don't, I, he's all right, but his commentary was a bit insipid. But someone, I think someone asked about a plan B and he said, uh, Roy's plan B is to work harder at plan A, which I thought was <laughs> pretty, pretty funny and pretty spot on. Um yeah, unfortunately, though, no, he, he jumped on the bandwagon, didn't he? Of um, be careful what you wish for, though, in terms of making changes with the manager this this summer. And um, I did point out that yeah, we should be careful what we wish for. We might get you as manager. Yeah, exactly. Of Roy. But um, Why yeah, was that, um, that's one of the, on. the, the sort of the, the cliches or the things that they keep getting trotted out about Palace. Like, be careful what you wish for. Sellhurst is a tough place to go. Palace are really Zaha. good defensively. Then nothing about Zaha. It's like just fucking like watch a couple of games and think of something else rather than just. Well, up well yeah. I mean, that Roy Keane summed it up um, 
in in the post match after the Spurs game when he said, you know, all I hear is that Palace are, are organised and good defensively. He's like, they've conceded forty seven goals. That's dreadful. <laughs> so, and it is right, like that someone's just not like conforming to the cliches. There, he's actually looked at it in a cold hard light of day, and it is dreadful. Yeah, of course they got the seven goals conceded in one game against Liverpool, but doesn't matter we we concede far too many goals and um i mean it, it's probably the harsh point to bring it up now particularly because we've kept more clean sheets of late and that's true of our opposition this weekend as well where i think they've conceded i think it's the second most goals in all top league top five leagues in europe um but then they've kept three clean sheets in their last four games so it's probably a harsh time to start talking about how many goals they've conceded <clears throat> but um yeah, we're not we're not well organised at the back, and maybe maybe Roy can start putting that down to injuries and whatever. But a lot of it comes from us getting overrun in midfield very often. So can't always um, fall on that excuse of injuries. Um, we've still got good enough depth in our squad to um, you know <laughs> stop those things from happening. But okay, let's move on to West Brom then. Um, obviously, we beat them five one last time out. Um, last week, Albert, our under-18s beat West Brom 7-1. So, not 9-1 this, this weekend? Yeah, that I'll, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, so the, the, the West, West Brom won win in their last 13 away games in the league. So, makes obviously awful reading for them. Um, but then flip side of the coin, as always, when any team comes to sell us, there's always a stat that's going to favour them. And we haven't scored now in our last three home games. Um, in West Brom's last six Premier League games, there's been under two and a half goals. So, that, I mean, that pretty much sums up, which I was talking about just now with the clean sheets. And there's not many more goals in our games, to be honest, um, unless we're getting spanked by someone, i.e. Spurs in the last one. So we can probably expect another low scoring affair but what was re- what's really weird just come out of my research in for this game is that Diagne or Diagna whoever he is who plays up front for West Brom um, and you will love this Heskiff because it's expected goals related but not non-Brighton expected goals related out of all the players in the Premier League he, he has the highest expected goals per game he's he's, he's expecting who's, 0.4 who's, who's expecting them <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, I know we are. I know we are this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think he's getting them. But yeah, he's um, apparently his chances are 0.48 goals per game, which is literally the highest in the league. There's, the, uh, I had to go and check it out. I was like looking at Man City players, thinking it just can't be true. And it is um, Kevin De Bruyne is the one who's actually closest to him. But um, yeah, 0.48 goals a game. So how do you score like just under half a goal a game? Nonsense. Doesn't it? Doesn't make sense. Well, you were talking about a stat earlier where Benteke scoring half a goal a game. No. <laughs> half a goal for 90 was, minutes. That was, goal, that was goals to minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, let, let's be honest though. We don't we don't have to worry about Diagne with his 0.48 goals. What we need to worry about is, looks like Robert Snodgrass has played his way into the starting 11 for this weekend. And um, has to give four goals against us he's got. Um well, well, well known for diving um, for a penalty hole, but he's he's yeah he scored four goals for three different clubs. Can either of you name me the clubs that he scored for against us? Hull, West Ham, Leeds. 
Very good. Look at that. He just rung it off. Bang, bang, bang. Um, it wasn't Sterling. Was it Sterling he signed for Leeds from? Someone like that. Maybe Livingston. Oh, Definitely. Something like that. Definitely. Yeah. I didn't check to see if we'd had a pre-season against them. Maybe he scored in that as well. Don't try, but, don't try and trip me up with a follow-up question just because I've knocked you a bit of trivia out of the park. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all well and good. But who did he sign from? <laughs> wasn't, wasn't the question. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, so yeah, he's just playing in now. He's he's always a he's always a danger to us. Um, and you've not even mentioned the fact that Allardy- Allardyce is is in charge. You know the the ghost of the, the, the next the next past. literally the next note on bullet point I have on here is return to tell us for Sam Allardyce. So do you want to well, take that away? What's Sam well, going to do to us? I don't think we're allowed to. I mean, we say some horrendous things on this podcast, but I'm not, I'm not even sure I can go into how I foresee that. Um, oh, I don't know. I, I consider this not um, not in terms of we have to because math, for the maths, but I consider this a must. This is a must-win game for us mm. purely purely from a we actually need to go out and and show that we're a we're a team that can play attacking football. And we're not scared to do it against, you know, teams that are struggling. Um, again, it's not, it's not, our status doesn't depend on it, but I think, you know, they're having a torrid time. We're, we're underperforming in most of our games. You know, we have to go out there and, and, and all, you know, put them to the sword like we did last time, preferably with them yeah. um, against 11 men though. So we, they can't have that excuse lined up. Yeah, well, look, they <laughs> West Brom uh, have kept three clean sheets in their last four games, but um, you know, last week it was they had a, they drew nil nil with Newcastle in what <clears throat> I mean, Allardyce, every, everyone knew it was a must win for West Brom. If they, if they'd won that, I think that'd be five points now behind um, Fulham, Brighton, and Newcastle. But instead, they're a bit of a way off. But I think there's still just about enough pressure on this that they still see it as a must win. They still see that they have a loose chance of survival. I'd be more worried about this game is if they'd written it off and they were playing without any pressure and a lot more freedom. But you bring up a good point there, Albert, and it's in recent games, like your Fulham's and your Brighton's, Hodgson's excuse for sitting deep is that these both these teams were bang in form and we're not really was didn't say it but was alluding that we're not in form so there's a reason we played defensively. He can't use this excuse against West Brom. We've we've got to go out and have them right. We've got we've got to go out. We've already scored five parts in this season. We've got to go out there and have a go at them. And if we don't, it's going to really upset the fan base. Yeah, I mean this is a match. I'm not one ever to say like yeah, Palace should win this. But this is a match that we should win. I mean, Wilf's back. Benteke's got some goals in the last in the last few games, and like you say, we've beaten them five one. So even if their defense has been a bit better of late, they're still second off the bottom, and they're still, I don't think, in particularly good form. So I don't think there's any need for us to be cautious, really. Uh, well, as we were against, like you say, against Brighton and Fulham. Because I think if we get an early goal, we should be all right. And I know that's that's not me being like cocky or anything. Obviously, I, I'm the most negative person in the world, but I don't see why we shouldn't have a go. Like whether that's playing Eze and Wilf, playing Mateta and Benteke up front, 
you know, just uh, I, I think that's what we should be doing, just just playing on the front foot because I think we're capable of doing a lot more than we have been. And you might as well do it against a team that's, you know, looking like they're going to go down because they have to, they really have to get a result, don't they? So we should be able to pick pick them off. Yeah, agreed. Um, Albert, do you see do you see any changes now? Obviously, as they as they came off at half time against um, against Spurs, and it kind of feels that Hodgson's been a bit scapegoaty with him at times. So Zaha's obviously going to come back in. So can you see that it will be Eze that drops to the bench and Ayu continues in that wide left position as out of the second half at Spurs? Yeah, sadly, I can see that. I do think it should be the other way around uh, myself. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it was a weird one, the the substitution against Spurs. Obviously, like you say, Zaha's our number one player. I, I totally, you know, if someone said, oh, Zaha's on the bench, do you want him to come on? Of course, the answer would be, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. But um, under those circumstances, it was a bit weird. And again, the, the initial reaction at the time is, oh, it's an injury. But, you know, yeah. it, was, it was cleared up that that wasn't the case, which only makes it a bit more of a head scratcher. Um, so, yeah, I'm fully expecting to see Eze on the bench. I don't want it, but, yeah, I think you've, uh, I think you've summed it up nicely. Yeah, and... Um... He's one of Roy's other golden boys. Is back in Jeffrey Schlupp. Um, I think he's a, he's not the superhuman Wilfred Zaha in terms of recovery rates, and we know that um, Schlupp has a longer list of injuries behind him, so they might ease him back. So, do you think it will be another second half appearance from him, Albert, or do you you think he might actually push him for a starting role? I think it's probably too soon for him to start. He, I mean, as much as Roy was, is probably desperate to scratch that itch. And get him on the pitch from the get go. Um, it's you know it seems, considering he's one of Roy's favourites, it seems um, it seems too risky to to chuck him back in in what could be a quite an ugly game. Uh, we are you know mm. we're playing a Sam Allardyce team. I'm sure they'll be fighting tooth and nail for every ball, and you, you know you don't want someone being chucked into that if they're not hundred um, percent. And I'm you know. You can say the same for Wilf. You know, do we do we want to throw Wilf into that so soon? Say it's a it's a must win game for me in terms of our intent. But can we afford to lose it? Yeah, yeah, we probably can. So I, I don't think it's worth taking any major risks. Mm. Yeah, it's a try. I mean, it's it's a win that a game. Sorry, that if we win with with safe safety is pretty much confirmed, isn't it? Um, three points you're basically then saying there's only one relegation position left because we'd just be so far ahead of West Brom at that point um, so it is a six pointer in that sense in terms of it eliminates another potential relegation spot and then with four teams below us or three teams whatever it is below us you've got to drop a long, a long way then to get relegated because you haven't got a lot of other teams to have a good good form between now and the end of the season and that doesn't really look like coming from any of those teams last, with the exception of Fulham but extremely hard fixture list left for Fulham remaining but we said that before the Liverpool game then uh, well actually saying that Anfield's <laughs> Anfield's going to be a gimme for everyone into the last game of the season when we go there no doubt but, um, right let's just do some predictions then um, I, I mean I'll, I'll start I'll go I'll, uh, positive 2-0 two, two Benteke and Zaha to score is mine Albert is it, was that exactly the same as yours yeah I was going to go 2-0 uh, so I will go. Uh, I'll go three-one Palace. 
and Heskiff is gonna. I'm gonna. He was on a. Two, he was on a two 0 as well. I can see him. I was on a. I'm gonna go in the middle. Two one. I think we'll win two one. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, I think it will be a, a bit similar. I hope in a bit similar to the Sheffield United game where we just sort of, you know, we do press onto them a little bit. You know, we have a couple of bits of quality to get some goals and. Um, too, a bit too good for him at the back to score, even with their highest XG player in the league up front, um, I think. And even, even Rod Snodgrass, but he's saying uh, Robert Snodgrass, I think it's been uh, pushing a year since he scored his last Premier League goal. So um, looking, forward to, looking forward to that commentary line when, it, when he scores. Yeah. <laughs> it's his first Premier League goal in 15 months. Great. Fantastic. Don't know. Uh, right, this this is actually um, us for a few weeks now. We've got we've got a bit of a sort of what is it? Not mid season break because we're way past the mid season now. But um, we don't return for three weeks now. When um, yeah, because I think was it this international break and the move the Manchester United fixture has left us with a bit of a lull. So it'd be really nice to get a win against West Brom this weekend, guarantee our safety, let the players all have a bit of a rest, and then we'll come back. Just like we did after first lockdown with all our players on the beach and lose the <laughs> remaining 10 or 11 games of the season, whatever it is, or nine games of the season. So, um, yeah, so we're uh, obviously this weekend, listen out for the match report of this game where Hambo will be running you through that with the crew on Sunday. Um, so, yeah, so well earned, well earned break, everyone. Um, particularly you, Albert, four, four shows in a row now, I'm impressed. Oh, I'm bushed. that's just uh, yeah I'm not not getting to it it's too late we've run too long Um, Heskiff Albert thank you so much as always and thank you for listening and until next time up the palace it's the 90th minute all your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. <laughs> Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.